good evening and welcome to Get Real with Ralph. I am your humble host, Ralph Nudie, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And simulcast live from Kenosha to the Canary Islands and all across the world via our YouTube channel. Just go to GetRealWithRalph.com. That's GetRealWithRalph.com. We use this theme every week, Stuck in the Middle, and there's a big reason for it. I think that I represent the silent majority of America that is always stuck in the middle. We seem to have so much fighting going on in our political establishment that the people's work never seems to get done. Doesn't matter who's in power. Could be the right side, could be the left side. I feel like it's our backside that's in power most of the time. Here's an intelligent use of public resources. Let's impeach a president who's up for re-election in less than a year. That way we can waste money. We can distract over here while we do absolutely nothing over here except try and win elections instead of actually doing the work of the people. And don't fool yourselves thinking it's just at the national level. You can look at the state level. You can look at the local level. Hell, you can even look at our school boards to see that the same thing is happening. Pretty much nothing. Hey, here's an idea. Why don't we start holding all of them accountable? If you're an incumbent, you're out. I know we keep doing it. We're, we're going to have to just keep shuffling the deck. If you're a freshman and you're an incumbent and you're an obstructionist, you're out either side. If you've been in for years and years and years and you're just not doing anything, you're out. Kick the bums out. We've been saying it for the last 150 years, but we need to start meaning it. Here's another news flash. If you love President Trump, you're probably part of the problem. If you hate President Trump, you're probably part of the problem. All of you are the reason that we have what we have going on in our White House right now. Because the only way to get votes, the only way to get people's attention, is to have your rhetoric be so intense, to be so over the top, to be so absolutely crazy, that it's like electing a shock jock for president. That's all we've got left. Hey, I got an idea. Maybe I should run. What do you think? Never. Good evening and welcome to Get Real with Ralph. This is episode 28, which means we've been at this a little while and we're getting a little smoother at it, I think. In the studio with me, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Jim Salovich. How are you doing, Jim? Good evening, Mr. Nudie. How are you, sir? How was Vegas? Vegas was dry and hot. Yeah. 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 But it was a lot of fun. It always is. I don't get to go nearly as often. As a matter of fact, I realized that the last time I was in Vegas was 21 years earlier mm. on the same day. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I got married. That's probably why I never went back after that. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, buddy. There you are. Not to my current wife. Mm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, it was a good trip overall. I was there for our, our real estate company's mm-hmm. convention, EXP Realty, and just learning a lot on how to do a better job of helping people both 
by consumers and people inside my industry be sure, more successful. Sure. So it was but, a lot of fun. But the pictures I saw were you and Benny sitting up, sitting outside by the pool. Well, yeah. I mean, we had to have a little bit of downtime that didn't involve gambling. How were the buffets? You know, they're not really no. a thing anymore like they really? used to be. You, you used to be able to go to Vegas and get a cheap meal because they want to get a gamble. Well, now they... They've hit critical mass. They don't need to attract people to Vegas anymore. Mm. People come to Vegas for the experience. And so they charge it, They charge twice what you pay anywhere else for the same thing now. Hmm. It, was, it was actually very surprising because it had been so long since I've been there. Yeah, I don't go. I'm yeah. I'm not a Vegas man. It's not. I, I'm, I'm an outdoors kind of guy, and the problem with Vegas, and especially uh, where we were at the MGM Grand, it's like you're inside this this rat mm-hmm. cage with tunnels to other rat cages, and they don't really want you to go outside of this yep. this ecosystem that they've provided for you, which involves gambling, mm-hmm. eating, more gambling, going to shows, I guess, not leaving their property. Yeah, uh, The pool is the best part, other than the actual convention. I, I like being outside, and I like the sun. Uh, also, we're going to have a couple of special guests this evening. Uh, we're going to have uh, Scott Holloway and mm-hmm. Kim Emer, who are with the um, Rhodey Center for the Arts. And, and Scott, of course, is the director of the upcoming Vagina Monologues that folks can see at the Rhodey. Absolutely. Opening on the 25th, I believe. The Virginia Monologues opening on the 25th. Virginia? Yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus. Uh, oh, my goodness. We could like run one show right into the other with that one. What do you, <laughs> what, what do you think, Scott? Oh, Vagina Monologues is going to be a great time. I'm sure. You know, I've never seen it. I've heard my mother-in-law talk about it all the time. And, you know, to hear your mother-in-law say that almost, you know, I don't care who your mother-in-law, that'll make you shudder a little bit. You know, and no one wants to hear their mother-in-law say vagina. Well, we kind of want more people to be willing to say the word vagina. That's kind of the point of the show. I understand. I understand. But that wouldn't be as funny of a line. I know. <laughs> what are you going to do? We also have a, a musical guest coming uh, sec- uh, second hour on the show here. And uh, we're going to be talking about her, her music as well as her poetry. Should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. And we're going to also talk about this. How about this Packers? Let's talk about that win first Let's of all, Let's talk Jim. about the Packers. You fill us in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great day in Packer football today. They uh, went down to Dallas and beat up on them Cowboys. They so. did. And that's always fun. It's always fun to watch Jerry Jones lose it. I had to live in Texas during the the Aikman years mm. as a Packer fan mm. because I was in the military, and I just developed this hatred for the Cowboys after that mm-hmm. because everywhere you went, it was just in your face. Yeah. So anytime I can see our Packers stick it to the Cowboys, mm-hmm. especially down there, they were winning big at one point, and you know, then let them back in a little bit, and they well, that's going to happen. Yeah, and the thirty four twenty four final. Carly Ravnikar, that's the name of our musical guest coming second oh, yes, period. Yes, my, my, my mind is just, uh, it's still in Vegas mode, it's I think, a little mind's bit. still in Vegas, absolutely. So, yeah, it was a good game. Packers won, you know what I mean? You know, it's exciting. We're 4-1 now. We're really on top in the, uh, in the uh, black and blue division. We are. We are. Absolutely, you know, because the Bears lost. The, the Bears did lose today, didn't yeah, they? They sure did. I didn't get a chance to watch uh, any of that game at all. I, ca- How was I it? caught the last half. It was, you know, they had their chances, and they lost. But uh, that's good. That is what it is. Good. Anytime, anytime you have a Packer win mm-hmm. and a Bears loss during mm-hmm. the season, mm-hmm. make the differential a little bigger. That, that's always exciting. So uh, last week, if you listened to our show, it was actually a rebroadcast of uh, Jim and I's Saturday live mm-hmm. over at the Songs of Freedom Music Festival. So hopefully you got to tune in to either one or the other, or better yet, I, got I, to I, drop I, in. I got to say it was wonderful having Sunday evening off, my friend. It's the first time I had a Sunday evening off since we, and you, first time we've had yeah. one off since we started this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, 
It was a well-deserved it was, Sunday it was, off. It was, was kind of nice. Hint, hint. Uh, so it was kind of nice um, that we can re uh, just uh, pre-broadcast or pre-record it. But yeah. And it was it, fun. It was a great time. Uh, you know, weather wasn't the greatest. I chased a lot of people away. People changed their ideas of what they want to do that day. But uh, but we got some people out there. I got to say, if you ran away because of the weather, you missed out because the weather wasn't nearly as bad as it looked. No. You needed to put on a sweatshirt and maybe a jacket over mm-hmm. that sweatshirt. Yeah, hats. But, you know, pens, but yard, it, didn't, it didn't rain. It wasn't wet. It wasn't bone-chilling cold. Mm-hmm. The food vendors were amazing. Mm-hmm. I had um, I got a chance to sample some of the food from Grabs while I was there. I got a chance to sample the food from Dill Dots, mm-hmm. which I, have, I don't know if you had a chance I, to I taste your barbecue. Ta- I had their tacos. They were great. We came in contact with them initially because uh, a relative of one of the owners was uh, my wife's student, and mm-hmm. we hired them to do my oldest son's high school graduation mm-hmm. party. And I was so impressed with them that I did a 262 Eats episode over at their Harbor Park, mm-hmm. uh, I don't yeah, know what we call it, their, their yeah, Harbor Park setup. Their tent. And uh, that was, you know, that was a lot of fun, and I thought... If I'm going to do this festival, they're one, they're one of the first people mm-hmm. on the list that I called that right. I wanted to come uh, do food for this uh, yeah. for this event. And then we had Union Park Tavern there as well. Mm-hmm. And the music, the music was great. Yeah. Uh, so many of those musical acts had already been on our show, and we got a chance to get to know them. Yes. And you, again, if you're into good music, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be um, Would You Kindly, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, they were good. They're fantastic. 3 a.m. Saints. They were great. Oh, Dan was uh, amazing. Dan is so you know, good. The latchkey kids, they come and they jammed out. They were fantastic. I mean, I added up all their ages. And I was still one year older than them. Really? Yeah. That's, that's I did pretty on stage, fantastic. I did on stage just as a joke, and I found out later that I was actually one year older than all of them added together. <laughs> well, that makes you old. I am old. I am old. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. All right, and All then right. Um, we'll come back talking, Mister Scott Holloway. When we come back, yep, we will t- we will be talking um, fundraising in general. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the state of affairs of the political discourse in this country. Then we're going to talk vagina monologues. So it ought to be fun right after this break. And we're back in the studio with a little hat tip to the recently departed departed Ginger Baker, drummer of Cream, dead today at 80 years of age. Yep. What an amazing album they put together. Too bad it was only it was only one, correct? No, no, they had like four albums. Four albums. Okay. Yeah. But right, they were done. But, you know, they were starting '66. They're done by '69. It was just a very short-lived but mm-hmm. very influential group. Oh of God. course, launched the career of Eric Clapton. It was already basically there, though, but yes. Took it, him into I the mean, next it level, t- yeah. It took, him to, it took him from Yardbirds level to legendary status. Yeah. And Scott can talk about that a little bit, too, being a percussionist as you are. You are. I am a percussionist, yes. Well, let, let, let's, let's hear about it. Oh, well, I uh, play for the Rotten Bros um, around town uh, in northern Illinois at the uh, Lucky Bernie's uh, locations and uh, various locations around town, uh, around Wisconsin, cons- uh, including the uh, Studio Winery. And 58 Below, uh, we've got a couple of gigs coming up. Uh, gosh, you put me on the spot for dates. Uh, well, we don't. Let's, 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 fine. Let's, if you remember some later, just, let's, just let's, throw them out like you got Tourette's syndrome. Just, yeah, just, uh, just uh, probably have November 2nd. Oh, yep. Uh, just go. Just well, put, November 9th, put, put, honestly, at the Roadie Center for the Arts. We're right. playing for the casino night. That's fantastic. And we're going to talk more about the uh, 
uh, Rody Center for the Arts and Upcoming Events. Obviously, we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, vagina monologues. And Scott, when is that opening? That opens October 25th. It runs okay. for two weekends, mm-hmm. a 7.30 show on Friday and Saturday nights, okay. and a 2 p.m. show on Sundays. Uh, an interesting event on November 2nd, the second mm-hmm. Saturday performance. Okay. Uh, there will be an additional performance after the performance of the Magi- Vagina Monologues. Okay. Uh, we're calling it Afterglow. Ooh, okay. What, now, what, that's, what's, what is that going to entail, Afterglow? Well, uh, for a long time, I mean, Vagina Monologues has been around for more than 20 years, Mm -hmm. and it has been uh, repeated at college campuses like every year for every year since it Mm -hmm. was released. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's what's interesting about it is I I feel like it's kind of on the stale. It's like it's... The message is still the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the, the the meaning of the show is still very poignant, but it's a little stale in the content. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, let's bring in some local Kenosha vaginas, if I can say it that way. We just did. I did just say it that way. Uh, what I'm hoping to do is uh, pull together some ladies from vagina uh, from. Kenosha, who can, uh, sorry. (laughs) Don't encourage him, Ralph. It's literally my favorite word lately. Um, But local Kenosha ladies who Mm -hmm. have uh, more current stuff to say about what it is, what it means, the difficulties, the challenges, the joys of having one. Okay. Uh, So I'll have uh, Jen Conrad. She's going Mm -hmm. to uh, recite a few of the poems that she's written over the years. I have uh, Stephanie, who plays for the band Denoma. Stephanie Denoma. Fantastic. Yeah, she's going to uh, play a few of her original songs. Uh, I Sweet. believe, I have not confirmed just yet, but Mary Lai from uh, Illinois, she's going to mm-hmm. come up and sing probably some covers. Um, okay. Some uh, power, girl power kind of songs. Uh, I have Women in Motion. Yes. Uh, yeah, the dance group that goes mm-hmm. around for That's charities. Right. They're fantastic. Yes, for charities. Uh, we will have a lobby full of uh, vendors. I can't speak directly to exactly who's going to show up, but uh, Krista Moyer is helping me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do some um, improv with my cast, um, Heather Stockholm, Kim Emer, and Jen uh, Cooper. Well, that sounds a lot more... What's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's a, it, it's bigger than just the vagina monologues. It's it definitely you're definitely bringing a lot more uh, newness to it, yes, so to uh, speak. It, it, it's refound its virginity, I guess you could say. Hey. Exactly. Let's find that cherry again. Um, yeah. So what I'm trying to do is bring a more current message from a, a local environment. Uh, ladies, you may know from around town and uh, get them to talk about. Well, I'm sorry. I'll say it again. Their vaginas. Well, okay, there you go. We are going to be talking a little bit more about that when, when Kim comes. We're going to talk about the show itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing your new spin on the world's oldest, um, what's the word I'm looking for, asset that you everybody wants. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's important to note that you can come see any of the shows from the 25th on through the 2nd. There is an additional performance, of course, on this Sunday, the 3rd of November. But if you come to one of the earlier performances, simply keep your ticket stub, and that will uh, gain you entry into the Afterglow. Just show up about 9 o'clock. Well, that sounds like a fantastic night. It's going to be a good time. Always is, always is with you, Scott, that's for sure.
as uh, evidence, uh, you know, last week when you were at the festival, you, mm-hmm. you and Kim were having a great time. It oh was, yes, it, we was, were. it was fun to have you there. Uh, our first year doing it. What did you? What did you? What did you think as a casual observer coming in and and you're talking about the songs of freedom? Right we now. are now. Yes, the songs of freedom. It was a really good event. And yes, I'm sorry, the weather was a little bit less than uh, than we might have appreciated, but. But you wouldn't say you froze your asses off. No, we had a blanket in the back seat, and uh, we just brought that and wrapped it up. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, that final performance was phenomenal. I had never seen her play before. We talk about Betsy Aid and the Betsy well-known strangers. Yes. Aren't they phenomenal? Absolutely. Every time I see her perform, I'm impressed. Every time I see the entire band perform, I'm I'm impressed with their professionalism. Yes. I'm per- I am profoundly impressed by their musicality and their 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 ability to, to deliver and we had a smaller than we expected crowd but we still had a de- pretty decent sized crowd there in the end for that finale and she appreciated every last dozen of us that were hardcore staying for the end we yes. did we did and, and she played her heart out for, for all of us and it was really it was a fantastic event we raised uh by the time it's done here um about five thousand yes. dollars for operation yeah, underground excellent. railroad so we're, we're very happy about that, and uh, we're going to be making a presentation check to them and, and doing an event for that in the very near future. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was the reason that we did it. Uh, I don't know if we've ever got a chance to discuss the topic of, of child trafficking, but it is a pretty, pretty intense topic at that. It's amazing to me, uh, the more I know about it, just how broad and vast this problem has become. There are six, six million children enslaved around the world. This is crazy. There are two two million of them are being sold on a regular basis for sexual slavery, uh, which which means that about every thirty seconds a child is being sold. And how how does this happen? How on earth can this this happen? This get people get away with this? I don't. Well, cr- criminals buy off uh, governments like they have for years, and this is this is no different. It's been going on for since the beginning of time, but it has grown recently to about a $38 billion a year criminal enterprise. And they, it, it, there, there are really a couple of different aspects to it. The, the more prevalent aspect to it, the more prevalent aspect to it in the United States is the trafficking of teens and young adults. Yeah. And that is done mostly by, I would say, psychological manipulation. Yes. Uh, in, in the beginning, uh, getting them hooked on drugs, making them feel uh, like, like they're dependent on them, making them feel like they're willing participants. And it's a pretty evil thing. We had a uh, set of parents on our show a couple weeks before the Songs of Freedom Music Festival. As a matter of fact, she was a volunteer uh, at, at the festival who, whose daughter had, had that happen to her. The second aspect of it is the literal theft of children from their parents' homes, from the streets, homeless children, children without parents all over the world, where they are held against their will in encampments and sold to adults who are obviously pedophiles and want to spend money to to, to rape children. And the group that that we supported this year, and we will continue to support them in in lots of uh, other endeavors, including future Songs of Freedom festivals, what they do is they send in... Uh, highly trained ex-military special forces, SWAT team from police department, uh, federal law enforcement agents, and they go into these foreign countries and into the United States where children are, are knowingly being trafficked, and they pose as buyers, and they set up a sting operation, mm. and they send in their teams to raid these compounds, rescue these children, rescue. get them into a aftercare program, 
uh, arrest the traffickers, hand them over to the uh, to the authorities in the area, along with all the documentation and evidence, hopefully needed to convict them. And it doesn't always work that way because uh, the world is corrupt, but they have so far arrested over 1,500 traffickers and rescued over 3,000 children since starting their operation. This is a, a deep accomplishment. It's uh, a huge and accomplishment, and, and it, I thought far worthy of, of the amount of effort that it took to pull off that music festival. Absolutely. The, the amount of money you raised is excellent. Uh, put it in that direction. And, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of the vagina monologues, really the what bubbled up from that movement when uh, when Eve Ensler uh, released her uh, uh, vagina monologues, uh, what ended up happening is the awareness for violence and uh, discrimination against women and uh, it became much more uh, aware. People became much more aware of it. Um, the wars of Kosovo and uh, Chechnya and I'm sure many other wars, how uh, military... Um, guerrillas and so forth uh, would come into towns and literally as a tactic of war be raping and injuring uh, the, the village's women as, as literally a tactic of psychological war. This is one of the issues that was raised um, early on when Eve Ensler released this uh, Vagina Monologues. So these, these are historical tactics that mankind started using when we were cavemen. And everybody is always looking for somebody to blame about things that happened in the past in the world. You know, the Europeans conquered uh, you know, other parts of the world, and that was bad. And uh, you know, the, the Germanic tribes conquered other areas, and that was bad. And you go back before that, and the Roman Empire conquered the world, and that was bad. And the Greek world conquered the, the world, and that was bad. But the truth is that factions have been warring against each other since there have been since there have been clusters of, of humans, and brutal tactics have been used on all sides for years and years and years because the, the, the consequences of not doing that could be being enslaved or being victimized. Mm -hmm. But over the past 150 years, past 160 years, the world has become overall more civilized, and the civilized world has grown in size. And we've gotten to the point where we don't have to accept that from, from other parts of the world and from society in general anymore. And we don't need to employ tactics like that in order to protect our own safety, which was some sort of animalistic you know, idea back then where you had established dominance. We, we can do all that now with intellect and with kindness and with love and all the things that, mm -hmm. that, that, that faith teaches people or all the things that the world teaches people if you're not a person of faith. And we have to do more of that moving forward and less of looking backward and blaming Correct. If, if we're going to accomplish this. Correct. And I think that's important. And this festival was a great example of people coming together to help a cause that everybody could agree on. Absolutely. And all these different musicians, Jim, myself, these different restaurateurs, all the people that work with me and my company, friends, family, that all jumped in when they saw what it was that, that I was that I was bringing attention to and said, yes, we will help you. All those people are responsible for the fact that there are, I, I'm sure, several hundred more people aware of the situation now than there were before in addition to the fact that we, that we raised that money. And that was, that was really just as important as just raising the money. Because if it was just raising the money, I could, I could probably get five people to donate $1,000 sure. a piece. We could send it in. It would be helpful to them. 
but you wouldn't have the additional awareness that goes along with it. And I thought that that was as important of an aspect as, as raising the funds. And we're going to continue to do more with with Songs of Freedom, which is my, my nonprofit that, that I started with a couple of other people here as we yeah. move forward. And I, and I believe uh, the Rhodey Center for the Arts did offer you an opportunity for not an outside concert, but an indoor concert. Correct. Correct. They're, the they're, they're platinum sponsors, yeah. uh, as well as offering the opportunity to bring to bring more awareness to this topic. And I am so grateful to the Rhodey. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful to Kim. I am grateful to uh, Jen and John, who who also personally uh, uh, sponsor the festival. I've you know I've made some new friends there since uh, coming into the media world here, and uh, you know it, it, it's nice to have you on and talk about it. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more, huh? Sounds good. We'll be right back after this break. Give you my dog surprise. And we're back here in the studios of AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha, as well as streaming live at GetRealWithRalph.com. Your host, Ralph Nudie, here on Get Real with Ralph on this wonderful Sunday night, the 6th of October. Jim, would you not participate in helping a good cause, like maybe a person who uh, died of cancer, or maybe a person who fell in the line of duty, or maybe a family who lost a, a loved one or a child and they needed to raise money. Would would you part? Would you would you refuse to participate in a fundraiser for them if you found out other people were participating that had different political views than you? No, absolutely not. That's what we're getting to in this country right now. Yeah, it's it's just sad that people can't put their differences aside for the good of the people. It is. It which, is. Which is basically what's going on, right? I mean. Both sides. We just talked about this wonderful event that we did, and I have to say I probably share some things in common and a lot of things mm-hmm. not in common with all the people that helped me when it comes to political views. As a matter of fact, I share views with both sides and differ with views on both sides so much that I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm one of those people that doesn't even have a home politically anymore. I've, I've been you know, that I mean, way my entire life. I mean, you know, where, where in the world— is there is there a place in the political environment for a guy, you know, place in America for me who is basically pro-human life whenever they can be, pro-liberty, pro-Second Amendment, anti-big government, oh, pro-legalization of pot and pro-gay rights in the middle of all that, but yet pro-Christian rights too. I mean, nobody wants to allow people to just have common sense and make up their own mind on each issue as they see fit. It's like if you fit in box A with issues one, two, and three, then you must join this group and also subscribe to the other nine values that you don't agree with. And I, I think that we're, we're getting so far away from actually doing what's right, and it, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. There was a charity event for uh, some mass shooting victims in California, and I'm going to read directly from the article here because I think that this is just such a tragedy. And, uh, you know, then we can discuss it. But a charity event in honor of a police officer killed while responding to a mass shooting in Thousand Oaks, California last year has been canceled after the local police chief and a Democratic politician objected to the participation of prominent Republicans, according to organizers who spoke with a local Fox affiliate. That event, a flag football game called the Blue Bowl, was supposed to have taken place at Newberry Park High School in Thousand Oaks, Los Angeles football players were scheduled to show up and sign footballs imprinted with pictures of the fallen officer sergeant Ron Helis and thousands of dollars, which will now be returned to donors, have already been raised for the Helis family. Organizers claim that the Thousand Oaks police chief Tim Hagel tried to undermine the fundraiser by telling its sponsors to pull out 
due to the scheduled participation of Trump supporters in the event lineup. Actor Scott Bayo, singer Joy Villa, both Trump backers, were poised to appear with Villa, who, uh, who is also scheduled to sing the national anthem. Bayo, a member of Helis's church uh, and the public safety to uh, California uh, Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, were also scheduled to attend, making the event completely a bipartisan affair. Mike Randall, vice president of the Fallen Officers Foundation and organizer of the Blue Bowl, described a phone conversation between him and Hagel to the local Fox affiliate where Hagel basically said over and over in a conversation that this is not Trump country. And that's about the end of the article where I'm going to go with that. But you get the idea. Mm -hmm. They decided that they're going to just completely pull support from an event that's meant to help people because some of the other participants disagree with them politically. Were, they, were these supporters going to talk? No. They weren't going to talk. No, well, so one was going to sing the. They, they weren't there. It was not a political event. They weren't there to speak about their beliefs. Mm -hmm. They were there to speak and support only what was going on there. Were they going to be wearing Trump shirts? There was nothing scheduled. Or anything no, like that? It was or... not. It was in no way, shape, or form a political event or one where people were trying to to make it one. Mm -hmm. It was simply they knew that certain people that are attending were supportive of of views that they don't agree with. And because of that, they decided that uh, they wanted to pull support for the event in general. Hmm. And I feel like we're going through a, I feel like we're going through a new round of McCarthyism almost, mm -hmm. where if people are too far right of center, they're just being ostracized completely from the community. And a, a, as somebody who is personally libertarian, but in the middle on so many different issues, I have so many friends mm -hmm. with so many different varying beliefs from one another that I, I just don't understand how you can stop participating in society or stop participating with people simply because their views on some issues in life are going to be different than yours. Because even at our worst, I think if we really thought about all the things that were important to us, we'd find that most of us agree on more than we disagree on. Mm -hmm. Human trafficking is an easy one. Yeah, you know Everybody agrees that it's not okay to sell a child for sex. Mm -hmm. But there's so many other issues that we should be coalescing around and agreeing on and letting those things that divide us kind of sit in the background until we find a way to deal with them instead of always fighting over mm -hmm. them. What I do you think? What, what do you get? What do you think about that, Scott? You have a, uh, you, you have people that you disagree with on a regular basis. You're friends with. Absolutely. I mean, uh, when we're willing to give it some thought, I am willing to disagree and sure. try to, you know, it's not a coercion. It's a, it's a conversation. Absolutely. I mean, we can have different views, but we also have to listen to the views of others. Uh, lately, I've been uh, kind of following some things uh, that Extinction Rebellion and uh, have been putting out. And uh, you know, one of the things they're calling for is that our, our current political system is pretty much broken. And one of the things they're asking for is, first, the truth, the truth about everything. And then, second, is to involve the public. Uh, w they're discussing an idea of having just random individuals that represent our greater population that come together and discuss issues, real opinions about the issues, because of this is how it affects me in my community. And other people would get together and also uh, discuss how it affects them in their community. And together, just regular people, not just politicians who have the money and the, and the power to get elected. Matter of fact, we should throw them right out of the meeting. 
Well, they, a- anybody who has who has a horse in the race, anybody who anybody who is working for a lobbyist, anybody, we we need to start having more conversations with with regular people about what they need. Exactly, because the and politicians that. aren't making real decisions. They're making decisions that are more based on how they get reelected and how Funding. they might make money and and yep. those kinds of things. And so, this this wouldn't necessarily replace them, but it would end up holding them accountable because the real people who live in the world would be putting forth ideas uh, that they think would work, and it would be really hard if that was uh, part of the political discussion for uh, incumbents and and people in office to deny that these would be good ideas to implement. Absolutely. And so far, those people are getting a shot out of the conversation. Well, precisely. They're not even invited to the to the thousand dollar dinner you know where these things are discussed sometimes of course well we have kim in the studio now hey welcome kim hi uh glad to have you in and it's been an exciting couple of weeks for the for the local arts we uh of course the roadie wrapped up a children's production of frozen and you're in full force right now with with vagina monologues and we have some additional shows coming up in the winter season and uh, I've been seeing a lot of your faces, and uh, it's mm-hmm. been it's been fun. And now here you are on the show. Uh, tell us about uh, tell us about vagina monologues. Well, <laughs> um, this is my second time around with vagina monologues. I was in a production at the Roadie, co-directed by Scott about five years ago, and I have to say that. Um, it was quite an eye-opener for me. It It is a great way to talk about what has been considered, especially from my generation, sort of a taboo um, topic, especially saying the word vagina like you three men are doing right here. You were even allowed to say it on radio a few years back. I, I know that. And in my mother's house, you're still not a- allowed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Does your mother work for the FCC? (laughs) Well, 20 years ago, for instance, uh, when Vagina Monologues was first released, it it did get a lot of uh, media attention. And uh, an example of how challenging that was, there was a CNN um, uh, spot on the release of the show, and it was 10 minutes long, and the announcer never actually said the word vagina for 10 minutes. And he's talking about the vagina monologues. Yeah, well, that was that was what you were directed to to do. You're directed to you know it was an awkward word that you weren't supposed to say. I think it was one of the seven words on George Carlin's list originally, I, and the other six I still can't say. It's more than seven, isn't it? <laughs> but it it is. I think it is overall helpful to open up, you no know, pun intended, the conversation about these sorts of things and have people discuss it freely without snickering without laughing at least at first after a while i mean there's always going to be something well, it, it's, funny it's, it's the proper term yes it, it is like penis exactly you know is you know it, it's the proper term when you're pointing out po- points of the body sure yes and and it's my uh, pinky finger right here why why the word was so taboo is really a lot of the 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 topic of the vagina monologues uh, it kind of opens with uh you know what we called it and what we and that we didn't call it anything uh so there's there's a whole list for instance of words that have been used 
to describe it that aren't the official anatomical term. And each one of them has its own negative, pejorative context um, when vagina actually isn't good or bad. It just is. And yet that's the one word we never use. Um, so the show kind of opens well, up. Well, we, 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 t- we typically don't use words that aren't good or bad. We like, we, you know, n- normally if you're describing either human, either gender's human anatomy, you're describing as a characterization toward their personality, which has become what it is, and, and that could be male or female. Mm-hmm. And depending on which of the other words you use, you might be, uh, you know, that might be that a person is strong or that that person is weak, that that person is um, a jerk. Uh, or that person is abrasive, or that person is nice and sweet, mm-hmm. and so well, I don't actually, I don't think that that's ever used as a, a positive uh, uh, objectification of a person. But now we're now we're getting to just actually talking about anatomy as such, as as mm-hmm. what it really is uh, in the context of, of of life in general. But it's still harder, I think, for a man to talk about it because I mean, let's face it, I don't feel like I have a right to talk about it about them because I don't have one. I, I mean, I have the availability of one because I'm a married man, but I don't actually have one. So, welcome to Vagina Talk here on WLIP. <laughs> My name is Jim Sullivich. I'm your host. Well, that's the whole thing, Ralph, is just being able to talk about it. You don't talk about it. You don't have one. I wasn't allowed to talk about it. Because you do have one. Because I do have one. Sure. And it's a private part. Um, I grew up in a household where that kind of uh, talk was not encouraged. And I think the beauty of Vagina Monologue, Scott and I were just discussing this today with his son, as a matter of fact, which I found so enlightening because 50 years ago you wouldn't be at lunch discussing something uh, uh, of this nature with, a, you know, Two men. You can't sit around the dinner table. No, and we Absolutely were not. back we in the were day. Talk, well, we were I, discussing. I, th- I think there's still a lot of families where you're not talking about this around well, the dinner table. Right, right. Well, especially right, in our but, era, Kim. You know, oh, I mean, exactly. you know, it was mm-hmm. you didn't talk about any of that stuff. Right, and and vagina monologues has um, made women in general more aware of that fact and that it gives us the freedom mm-hmm. to have discussions about it. It it is just kind of opened up mm-hmm. a conversation to talk about it even with your girlfriends, to talk Absolutely. about it with your sisters. Maybe you can never discuss it with your mother, but you can still have conversations about it and it it's not a taboo subject and you find out that you're normal, that you're okay, that there's really nothing abnormal about you at all when you thought everything about you was abnormal. But you find out, huh, this is, this is like every other woman is here. Mm-hmm. And that's the, free, that's the freedom Vagina Monologues has given us for the last 20 years. That's what I find to be one of the most important aspects of doing this show. Yeah. It is, it's such a very important show, and it's, you know, I'm, a, I'm definitely going to see it again. And I've seen it last time you guys put it on. I saw it a couple times before that, too. So, I mean, it's even for the guys to come and see. 
Uh, yes, the, we... the show, and, and and there are some really funny, funny parts in it as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's just just because you, know, you you make fun of different things, and and you know, not to degrade them at all or this or that, but it's just it's it's a fun show. It really, it really is. Well, well, one of the things we were discussing this afternoon at uh, the garage over burgers was. Uh, just the functions of... Wait a minute, you were discussing vaginas over beef? Yes. <coughs> okay, uh, I just wanted to clarify. Had, we, had, we all had really spicy burgers. <laughs> but uh, one of the topics we were talking about Where's was just having your period. Uh, not even necessarily just for the first time, which can be you know, really, really frightening or, or confusing or whatever. If you order that burger rare, you're a sick guy. Come on. Come on. Okay, okay. We, all right. We ordered it. I just wanted to, I just wanted to... Let's continue. But... But just just that a, a woman or a girl or a woman isn't able to be like, oh, geez, I have my period. Pardon me for a moment. I'm going to go get a tampon and I'm going to, you know, take care of my problem. Um, these kinds of topics had to be hid. We had to keep them in a special place in the house where nobody, none of the men in the house would know what the heck was going on. What are these things? We had to secretly disappear to the bathroom to take to take charge of a situation that is every month for uh, for a woman during yeah. her cycle this right. is a natural thing this is a necessary well, well, gr- thing well growing up with two sisters and a mother i mean we, we always knew it was there never knew what it was for it was never talked about you just wondered why everybody hated you no, once a month. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was every month um <laughs> uh but uh, it's it, but we never ta- it was never talked about it was just like you know, it, it, you know, we never had the birds and the bees talk or anything like that back then. Exactly. You uh, know, uh, we we rely on, you know, the the school system to oh, good Lord. put us through <laughs> health class, and it just probably it just yeah, probably like the worst pl- yeah. probably the worst environment possible to start I'm, discovering I'm, things I'm, like I'm that. Gonna my, I'm, I'm gonna have my ninth grade gym teacher come in and talk about sex. Right. Not. Well, this guy, well, this guy here, he's just like, okay, here, read this, read that, watch this video, and that was it. I learned about it from George Michael videos. And that's the thing, is that to discuss the vagina is not specifically to discuss sex. It's right. not always about right. sex. I mean, it's about a regular thing. That it's un- understanding, you know, you know, the person's body, you know, the female body. And this is a necessary process for us mm-hmm. to, you know, move but, on but, in the world. But getting back to the play. Yes. Uh, when's uh, when's this play going to be again? It opens October 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Friday night. Uh, there is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday show for two weekends. Okay. Friday and Saturday. It begins at 7.30. House opens at 7. You can start buying tickets at the door at mm-hmm. 6.30. But, of course, you can always purchase tickets ahead of time uh, at org. Okay. Some other really great shows coming up as well. Yes. Uh, if you go to Rhodey, we yeah, we were so excited to see you at auditions for Miracle on Thirty Fourth, the oh. musical radio show. I am looking forward to mm-hmm. doing that, and it all kind of came as an accident. My daughter wanted to audition for the part of Susan, mm-hmm. and I knew that it was primarily an adult show. So, unlike Frozen or the Kai Pack show that they did over the summer, where they where they did Lion King. There are going to be a lot of adults there, and I thought that it'd be a little bit awkward to just be dropping her off. And I figured if I'm going to spend that many hours of my life in a theater, I might as well be participating because mm-hmm. it's something that I used to have a great passion for doing. And I've always used the excuse, I just don't have time for it. Well, if I have the time to be sitting there, I might as well 
Might as well be there. Yeah, and yeah, I'm really glad. Her along, so. and, and, and she wants the part. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be playing the part of Fred, which is pretty cool because I get to legally prove that uh, an old man is Santa Claus. And, uh, you know, my, my, my seven-year-old daughter gets to play the part of a little girl who was born and uh, raised to not believe in anything that was a fairy tale. And, mm-hmm. and she captures the spirit of Christmas. And I, I think it's such a relevant story even in today's day and age. Now we're going to be doing the radio play version of it, so mm-hmm. that's a little different than the, than the regular musical, correct? Yes, it's even a little hard to describe. Um, as a patron for this show, you will actually be paying, uh, playing a part yourself. You will be the studio audience mm-hmm. of the radio production. And that opens up on December 16th going through the 15th. Little Shop of Horrors coming up in February. It actually opens on the 6th. It does run two weekends, mm-hmm. uh, 6th, 7th, 8th. 13th, 14th, and 15th. Mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors coming up in February. If you're on, a, if you're, if you're on my Facebook page uh, or if you're on my YouTube channel watching this show, I did post a link to roadiecenter.org. Mm-hmm. So you can go there for ticketing and to see the right. full schedule. But what? overall, it should be right. a, uh, it, it's going to be a nice, mm-hmm. robust season. Now, what I want to talk about while we've got a little time left is casino night. Yes. Because I went last year for the very first time to casino. It was the first year that the roadie had it. I had the best time. I had so much fun, and I was kicking butt on the uh, on the poker table too. Excellent. I was I was playing a bunch of saps. I'm going to say it right away. I knew right away. I was sitting with these people. I know exactly. I'm yes, going to win. But no, but not. But I had a, I had so no. It's a great time. Go to tell us more about this. Well, this year, uh, the uh, last year, I should say, the the craps table was mm-hmm. extremely popular. Yes, it was. And there were some really big. I was playing winners. Texas Hold'em, but yes. So this year, there's going to be two craps tables. Ooh, and all right. Just a, f- a little fewer on the blackjack tables because there were just no, six yeah, tables, and that yeah. was too much. So it's fifty dollars a ticket, and yes, you get two hundred dollars of play money. Uh, five hundred. I'm five. Is it five hundred? I'm pretty sure that's two, what's it, in print says, right in front of me. No, it says two hundred on the website. But oh, okay. Well, somewhere between two hundred and five. You can make five. <laughs> you can make five hundred. Um, and it's so then you, when you cash in, you get tickets that you can put in for raffles. Yes, right, so we'll have food a table raffles. full yeah. of raffle items mm-hmm. uh, from gift certificates to area restaurants and hair salons and mm-hmm. such things to uh, any, actual any objects. Tri- you any can trips win. to give away again? Uh, well, There's a couple of couple really Katie. neat things. Katie has been working yeah. hard. I think she sent out and those some out there listening, seventy-five yeah, right. If, if anybody you know out there owns a business, have something yeah, that they want to uh, donate, and all the money goes right into the roadie for obviously well, you know keeping the place for the building for now, the building. The Lakeside Players is the nonprofit volunteer organization that is uh, in charge of maintaining the building and operating the theater itself. Now this is entirely volunteer. And in addition to your patronage, coming to buy tickets and uh, getting some popcorn at the concession mm-hmm. stand, maybe a adult beverage, adult beverage or two. Or two. Mm-hmm. Um, all this money is really dedicated to keeping this historical landmark operating. And the uh, Roadie Center is it's it's such an amazing building, uh, and it's it's been coming along a lot mm-hmm. of improvements. Uh, they just upgraded the soundboard for the last show, and mm-hmm. but there's a lot more that needs to be done to this building. Absolutely, and this is how we are raising the money for it. I just want to say, hopefully, I can get in before the commercial break. One of the raffle prizes I'm going to be personally donating. Excellent. I have the 262 East loyalty card that's coming, which gives you discounts at restaurants all over. But then, in addition to that, there'll be a gift card for every single restaurant that I have done a 262 Eats show on. So it's going to have about a $350 value. Nice. So that's one of the big raffle prizes. It actually drew one of the most amounts of money at the mm-hmm. uh, Songs of Freedom Festival as oh, well. Yes. But it's a great raffle prize if you're a if you're a local foodie because not only do you get a free gift. 
certificate for every restaurant, but you get a discount for all of them, too, when you bring in our loyalty card again and again and again and again when you use it. Fabulous. Thank you, Ralph. RoadieCenter.org is the site to go to, folks. Get your tickets. Find out about... Uh, the casino night coming up on February 9th. No, that's November 9th. Thank November you. 9th. Yes. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> that's right. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph. This is Ralph Nudie, and we'll be back after this top of the hour break. We're going to take you out with a little bit of cream. Welcome back to Get Real with Ralph at AM 1050 WLIP in Kenosha. We're also simulcast on WLIP.com, or if you'd like to look at our pretty faces too, you can go to our YouTube channel at GetRealWithRalph.com. In addition to GetRealWithRalph.com, you can go to our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com forward slash Ralph Nudie. A little cream coming in there, a little hat tip again to the now late great Ginger Baker, who is probably rock and roll's first ever super drummer. 80 years old he was. Yeah. Uh, passed away in the hospital in London, England. Mm-hmm. And um, There's a great documentary out there. Scott, I don't know if you saw this. Um, of course, Scott Holloway in studio here, um, local uh, actor, director, musician. Uh, did you see uh, the documentary on on Ginger Baker, the fabulous Mr. Baker, I think it was called or something like that. I apologize, I did not. That's why you have to apologize, you say well, no. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah tell us tell us about it though, Jim. Tell yeah. I, I, You'll have to watch it. I'm a doc I'm a docu freak, so now I'll, I'll probably end up watching it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it on? Um, you know, I think last time I saw it was on uh, I want to say Amazon Prime. Uh, let me see Ginger Baker documentary. Amazon Prime has become the antidote to my constant um, insomnia. You can find you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Awesome. Beware awesome. of Mr. Baker. It's called. Okay. Well, Mr. Baker did some amazing stuff. He had that 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 long pause between his beats and a really good syncopated mm-hmm. syncopated rhythm that he played with that I think so few percussionists really get right where where a casual listener or even an amateur musician goes, wow, how did he do that? I, I can't yeah. quite catch that beat. And uh, as a drummer, I'm sure you, you you appreciate that. Well, as a percussionist, I kind of understand the difference between being a drummer and being a percussionist. Uh, and I think that's really what you're getting at. Uh, so many drummers will just set up like you know a 25-piece kit and there's so much noise going on. But you can't really hear any of the individual things he's doing. You know, he's keeping the beat, but mm-hmm. uh, there's so many cymbal crashes and hi hats and tom fills and everything. And, and I and I often wonder why the the rest of a, of a music line is so ignored lately, because to lay a beat down is to include some silence in between. Mm-hmm. Well, without the silence, there are no beats. Exactly. Um, so profound. Well, <laughs> that's Scott for you. He's profound. No silence and there's no beats. So, how long have you been playing, Scott? Uh, I started with uh, snare drum in first grade. Uh, by the time I was in third grade, 
uh, I uh, was given a drum set. Uh, my mother, incidentally, for a long time worked at Henry's Music in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I was, was a young man, a young boy, I should say. Uh, and so I was lucky enough to get a Tama Star um, <laughs> really fine drum kit with uh, excellent hardware and zildjian cymbals because she got such a great deal. At, thir at third grade? At third grade. So wow. uh, I was at third grade, I was playing in the fifth grade band, which, I don't know, probably doesn't sound very exciting to most people, but um, that's To a third grader, cool. that sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was the big guy in the band. Uh, the so guy in the band. Through high school, I played in all the bands and orchestra and even in the choir some. Um, after graduating from high school, I didn't really pursue music a whole lot. Uh, I did go into the Army Reserve, and I was stationed in Fort Knox. Were you in the Drum and Bugle Corps in boot camp? Uh, I was, actually. Uh, well, boot camp, you don't get to play instruments. You just get to run around and do push-ups. But once you're out of boot camp, they assign you to advanced training. And so I was attached to the military band at Fort Knox. Yeah, How many years have I known you? I'd never known this about you. I know. I, Army doesn't look right on me, does it? No. Well, no. I mean, I just didn't put it together. You never really talked about it. Yeah, so... Uh, I, listeners don't know. Scott and I have been friends for for a while now. Oh, well, yeah. We've done some amazing things We've done some amazing things on stage, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Kenosha and uh -huh. the K-Town Burlesque K-Town Burlesque and all those other great things we've done together, but I never... I did not know that. Yeah. I remember being in boot camp for the Air Force, and they had... Uh, Guys that could play drums or play horns that could try out for the drum and bugle corps. And if they made it, you got transferred from your unit to the drum and bugle corps unit where you had all the same requirements of a basic trainee, but they then had the added requirement of being uh, playing all the parades that all the, yeah. the, all the, all the airmen would march in, including the graduation parade. So the boom. Boom, boom! That you marched to—that was, you know—that was what they provided. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, man, it'd been a cool thing to be able to play drums or hor horns instead of just, you know, being a singer, uh, which I, um, I like to affectionately say that a singer is someone who hangs around with musicians a lot. <laughs> um, well, in basic training, when we got towards the end, and there was this big meeting where, what's going to happen after you're done with basic training? And they were like answering questions from the tankers who were going to. It was actually going to get worse for them. The guys who drove tanks, they were going to have to get up earlier and run farther and stay up later and all these kinds of things. And I raised my hand and I said, uh, what can I expect being uh, uh, a drummer in the, uh, in the military band? And he laughed. And he said, oh, we call you guys the Jelly Donuts. So <laughs> you got nothing to worry about. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. For the first week of my advanced training, there was nobody in the building. I reported for duty. Uh, the commanding officer was gone. Um, the entire building was empty. There was one guy watching TV, hmm. and he showed me to a bunk, and he said, yeah, uh, it'll be next Monday before we meet again. And that, that may not sound great, but uh, really what happens is the band is constantly working. They're rehearsing all day. They're playing gigs in the evening for the officer parties or the various meetings they're playing absolutely they're uh, they're, they're hard working they're hard working all weekend people. long doing yeah. two or three uh parades on compound and get the community 100 miles away traveling staying in hotels all kinds of things and so what happens is we would earn time off and then it would all come at once and we would just be free to do whatever we wanted for a week hmm. so and the next thing you know, you're back to working 18-hour days again. And yet, it didn't feel like work. Man, I was well, so close to uh, going regular l army. Labor of love. 
They had uh, in, in the Air Force. They had they had the Air Force Band, and back then they've gotten rid of it. Now they had a group called Tops and Blue, which did basically USO shows. They traveled all over from Air Force Base to Air Force Base and put on these big productions. And they came in a bus. And the only way to make it into this group is you had to compete at your base level, and then you would go to your command level, and then you, the whole all the Air Force Base in the world would would have a competition. And it was kind of like American Idol for the Air Force back then, before American Idol was a thing. And so I competed my first year. I was all excited about it, and you know, I was a singer. And got all the way to the world, worldwide level of competition. What they did there is you were competing for first or second place in your category, but you were also auditioning to make next year's show, which were separate from one another. So just because you won your category didn't mean you made the show. But the people that made the show, they worked. Yeah. I mean, they really worked. Super talented, too. Super talented. And they, you ever see a Tops and Blue show? I have, yes. Oh, uh, so you know. I mean, they, well, they, they discontinued it the about too, yeah. They discontinued it about six years ago or uh-huh. ten years ago, somewhere around there, which was a shame. It but is. it was one of the most amazing groups of musicians I ever saw perform because the actual Tops and Blue came to the worldwide talent competition, which I think that year was at Eglin Air Force Base in Florida in the Panhandle area. But I'll tell you what, as hard as we worked, even at that competition, day and night rehearsing, and there were 18-hour days, it beat being a cop. It sure does. It beat carrying a gun for that month. It beat digging uh, foxholes and filling sandbags and uh, waxing floors and all the garbage that you end up having to do when you're in the military that builds character, and I'm glad I did it. But it was still a privilege, and you really you really realize that because you'd already spent some time you know, in the service doing doing your primary job before you had the opportunity to do that. Sadly, I never got a chance to audition again because every other year I had orders right around the time competition was going on. Went to Korea, came back from Korea, got out of the military. But it was still one of the most wonderful experiences from uh, the standpoint of a performer, being able get, being paid and uh, to perform for six, eight months at a time and being taken out of your regular job was, was an experience that that I'll relish for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. I learned a lot. Learned a lot uh, playing for that band. How many years were you in the reserves? Uh, let's see. It took about six, eight months to get through basic and such. Uh, I was a reservist then for another three years. Gotcha, gotcha. And if you had to do it all over again, would you would you do the same thing? You know, looking back that far, uh, man, um, I really almost wish I had uh, taken the invitation to sign regular army and stick around mm. for a full term. Oh, yeah, especially as a musician. Yeah. If, if, if they offer you that, I mean, to get paid to be a musician is, 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 is a rare thing. How about you, Kim? How did you, uh, how did you come into the uh, world of theater and even movies, which we'll talk oh. about in a minute? Okay. Um, I came late to life. Okay. <laughs> so what, 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 was your, what was your initial profession? You're, you're going to grow up to be a fill-in-the-blank. I always wanted to be an actor. Okay. Always. And I did high school musicals, um, plays, and after high school took the path of working right away, married, children, put all of it aside, um, and I actually was exposed to a wonderful acting coach here in Kenosha, Maureen Passion Bolag, who owns Actors Craft. Yes, I had. We did an interview with her on our show when it was just a newborn podcast before we came to the radio. Yeah, she, she's amazing. She is amazing, and I was a jazzercise instructor for almost twenty years. And one of my students was in a play at the Rhodey. And I went to see her in the show, and I said, "Gosh, Jamie, how did you learn how to act like that?" Oh, I took lessons from Maureen, so I started taking lessons from Maureen with her for about two years. Mm-hmm. I auditioned at Racine Theater Guild for Steel Magnolias, the the lead, Malin, 
And ah, miraculously, I beat out 75 women for the role. Wow. Um, that's a pretty that's that's a lot. That, that was, was your lot. that was your first time. That was my first audition since high school. I was 50. <laughs> so it's never too late. No. And from there on in I just I mean you was 50. I was 50. Mm-hmm. Are you are you going the other direction cuz yeah, there's I'm no way you're 50 now. I just turned 35 now, Ralph. Yeah. Ah, I see. <laughs> 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 um so I continued and that's kind of where it's all started. I I still occasionally take get help from Maureen um, and got involved at the roadie. I've done some things in Milwaukee. It's where I met Scott. It's where I met Jim. Jim Emer has uh, auditioned in New York City. You have. <laughs> I have an agent working hard to get me a few little jobs. I've been called there twice but have not taken that path yet um, due to expenses. So, um yeah, I have an agent in New York and an agent in Chicago. It's really hard to, at yeah. this point in your life, too, is to drop everything it and is. go after it. When you get a casting call, you literally, from an agent, you literally sometimes get a 24-hour notice. Yep. That's it. Got to drop everything and do and it. And you just got to get on a plane to, and go, over, yes. go wherever they want yes, to. Yes, and I, my life isn't set up that way, but um, if, if the monetary value was there, I would go down. It's a big leap of faith. Yeah. To do yeah. something. I'm in the yeah. same boat. It's it a big is. leap of faith. There's a drop everything. Right. Because I've been out to L.A. and some of them, what are you doing? Well, you should be out here. You should be mm-hmm. doing stuff here. I'm like, oh, well. But my first love I, uh, is is theater. I love s- performing live. To me, there's nothing like it because mm-hmm. it's you get your one shot. Yeah. And you're totally vulnerable. You're just laying yourself out there for the audience, and sometimes they're two feet from you. Mm-hmm. And the adrenaline rush when you've done it well oh. is un, unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the greatest feelings ever. That's that, that's that, that high. Nat- that's that why natural we keep high. going back. Yeah. We keep going back. Now, film, film, on the other hand, I think it gives you a different set of, d- different set of excitement uh, working on a project and seeing a project come together. And one of the films that uh, you worked on is making the film festival circuit right now. It is called The Fear of Looking Up uh, by Melancholy Films, and you're in the opening scene. Tell us a little bit about that opening scene. Yes, the opening scene is a little gruesome. I am cleaning fish. I was actually (laughs) cleaning fish. That's not the gruesome part. (laughs) And No references to the play on this one, Scott. Okay, go on. Men will, wow. boys will be boys. I just want to make sure because you never know a Scott here. <laughs> Go on. All right. <laughs> so the trailer actually shows me cleaning fish at a kitchen table, and I'm despondent. Uh, my life is not going the way I wanted it to. And I slit my throat with the fishing knife. Yes. And fall into the bucket of fish that I am cleaning. Spo- um, spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, it's an opening scene, so it's not a complete spoiler alert, but it, it sets up the tone up the for tone. the film. And you need to, I, I don't have the link, and I'll post it later, but if you go on YouTube and you look up the Fear of Looking Up trailer, the movie in its entirety was filmed here in Kenosha. Yes, it was part the, I was, I shot for one day um, at the beach, at um, Simmons Beach near the lighthouse, mm-hmm. and also in a building here. Um, 
Was it the old school uh, house building on old Sheridan Road? House building on Sheridan Road. It's now yes. being converted to condominiums. So yes. that was the last shot to get yes. in there and film a couple of scenes there. I think they used that for Which building is that? a police station. It's the old one room schoolhouse or the old schoolhouse building north of the old Coca Cola bottling on the east side of Sheridan Road as you go as you head north. Weisskopf School. That's it. Says it. Academy yeah. for Tops Weisskopf. on it. There yeah. used to yeah. be a, yeah. a preschool. Next well, to the was, port. It was Connie's uh, daycare. Connie's daycare. Yes, yeah. it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah Weisskopf. Now it's going to yeah. be Weisskopf Lofts. It's going to be Weisskopf Lofts. I'll tell you, if you like stumbling into the port, that's a good place to go because it's right there. <laughs> yes. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that in my time. T- I haven't stumbled into or out of and, the port since I was in my 20s. <laughs> in, in, in fact, our musical guest uh, is, has played the port. We'll talk about that when she comes in. We will. We will talk yeah. about that. Well, but, the really yeah. interesting thing about this film is how it came to Kenosha is the director is from Greece, mm-hmm. a wonderful director. Um, he is married to a Kenosha woman. Elizabeth Shook, daughter of Kenosha real estate agent Leo Shook. Exactly. Yep. Oh, yep. She came home, and that's how we were able to get into this property because her father had it listed. Her father had it listed. And Maureen, they came to Maureen, and that's how I got the role. I went to Maureen's acting studio. Yep. I was there for the auditions. And um, read for this part, and they asked me certain questions because it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. Will you? Are you able to do this, 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 and this? And I was cast, and it's now... Um, this was a couple of years ago, two summers ago? It was ago? two summers ago that it was right. filmed, and right. it's, it's, it just got released overseas to a film festival, I want to say last month, and I, I spoke with Elizabeth, and we we're planning on doing a screening of it at Ooh. the Roadie as yeah. soon as we're able to in in the states. So that's that's going to be pretty exciting. This is the second film that this same group did in Kenosha. They did the Book of Birdie two years previous to that, oh, which was filmed in its entirety at Camper Center. Okay. Well, the other interesting thing here is I've just met met Ralph recently. Um, uh, volunteering at the roadie, his daughter, wonderful little actor. Please come and see her in Miracle 34th Street. Wonderful, wonderful stage presence. Um, and in talking to, not even directly you, find out that Ralph's two sons, two of my sons, two, two of, sons. of my four sons were in right. the this fear of looking film, up. Correct. Which he didn't know I was in it. I didn't know his sons were in it. So, well, they made you out to be like like a much older woman in that in the film with all the makeup oh, and the, the flattery the, will get the, you everywhere. The, the fake latex. <laughs> no, they did. They they no, kind of no, yeah, yeah. they kind of made you look like the the this beaten down yes. older housewife she sitting there. Yes. You know, it was it definitely a depart. You know, and that's the cool thing about acting right, and makeup and right. all that. But when I when I saw that opening scene, I was like, <laughs> and then I. Met you at the um, at the uh, board meeting, and they said the name, and I recognized the name. And I'm like, I mean, that cannot be the same. That cannot be the same woman. Well, thank you, Ralph. Yes. So yes. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the full film. Watching. Yes. It. The 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 makeup artist was from Brazil, and he was fabulous. I've been in a couple of short films before, but uh, a couple of student films, one in in Chicago, but this one, the quality is really there. These are all professionals. Um, it was very interesting how all of that prosthetic makeup worked and how they did great, all of these effects. And great it's special very, effects in, oh. in addition to the makeup. You can see it's all filmed on location. It has the mayor drug building lit up in a very cool way, as you would imagine it might have been lit up back in its glory. They do some really cool things with the Kenosha Lighthouse, mm-hmm. the whole downtown area. And so you see all these icons if you're from here, but you see them in a completely different yeah, light because nice. of all the special effects that they apply to them. 
And again, I encourage you, if you haven't seen the trailer, go look at it. And stay tuned to this show because we're going to be announcing once we do the screening. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try and get some of the other actors as well. Great cast of actors. We had, um, we had actors from England in on that mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. We ha- there, were, uh, there was an actor from California, Friday Chamberlain, who is an up-and-coming actress who was in the last of the Fast and Furious films and has uh, gone on to uh, make a couple other films mm-hmm. as well and is really close to making her break. There's a wonderful actress from Chicago uh, named Kitty Hall, who is also a uh, musician, and we, we plan on having her on at some point in time as well. But altogether, they really, they put to, it wasn't just a locally filmed movie with just local actors. Some local actors were incorporated, uh, such Mm -hmm. as yourself, but they really went and found some good talent and brought it here, uh, both on the production side Mm -hmm. and on the talent side. And it is going to be a magnificent film when it's all said and done, when you consider how low of a budget uh, they used to produce it. And the fact that it was done entirely on location, not in a soundstage, not in the studio. Uh, I I think they've accomplished something really, really big here. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am as well. And with film, you don't meet everybody. You shoot for one day. They yeah. set up their yeah, scenes. Different, it's yeah. so yeah. different from theater. Yeah, so if you're on a call list, you know. I didn't I mean, shoot the day that Ralph are, Summer yeah. involves, sons mm-hmm. were involved. So yeah. I'm very excited about it. I, I am as well. Now, you uh, are what, what show? what's the next show that you're in after Monologues? Do you have something else that you're doing as well? Um, I am assistant directing Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Along with Gene Sanchez, who's our director, and Scott, who is the musical director, Scott Holloway, and the Foley artist. Um, I just auditioned today for a play in Milwaukee called The Beauty of Psyche. So I'll let you know if I... What's the, uh, what, what's the plot line of that one? The I plot have, line one I have is heard. a modern, it's an original play written by a Milwaukee, Milwaukee playwright, and it's based on the story of Psyche and Cupid, the Greek, mytho- Greek mythology play. Set in modern times, it's not the same names, the characters' names are changed, but it's basically based on this, on Cupid coming down to earth, falling in love with Psyche, and I was auditioning for the role of Cupid's very evil mother, um, who was Venus, the goddess of love and sexual desire. So, we well, that, shall that see. sounds like it could have a very interesting spin on it. Yes, a very interesting spin. It would perform at the Brumder Mansion in what was uh, on Wisconsin Avenue, which is the home of Milwaukee that's a great Entertainment place. Group. Yes, that that place wonderful. is so awesome. They do a lot of great things there. So that's the next thing. I'll just wait on that. Well, fantastic. Again, Kim Emer and Scott Holloway, who are both with the um, Rhodey Center for Performing Arts as well as uh, local musician, local actor. And uh, it was wonderful having you in the studio. We're going to have you back. We are going to have you back. For sure. Thank you for having us. Don't forget to Vagina Monologues open when, Scott? Uh, That's October 25th. Uh, running the last weekend of October and the first weekend of November. Don't forget, even if you see the show ahead of November 2nd, there is that additional performance I'm calling Afterglow, where we'll bring in some local Kenosha ladies to talk about what they think. Fantastic, fantastic. And roadiecenter.org, R-H-O-D-E, center.org, for tickets to all the great shows. The link is on, on my site if you have any watching online. After this break, we're going to be bringing in uh, the lovely local musician, Carly Ravnikar, to talk about her band and, and their music and some other local events. You're listening or watching Get Real with Ralph back after this break.
And we're back at the studios of AM 1050 WLIP. Ralph Nudie here. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph. This is WLIP's premier local music, talk, and culture show. Oh my God. Just listen to that drum roll. Oh, the man. Ginger Baker, God rest his soul. He is something. I swear I was weaned on this stuff, man. Oh, yeah. That's some I'm good stuff. So glad that my parents introduced me to good music at a young age. Listen to that roll, huh? How about that? He ain't no Matt McCoy, but he's not bad. He's not bad. All right. So we have a, a, a guest in the studio here for our last segment. Uh, we have Carly. With, how do you how do you pronounce that again, Carly? Ravnikar. Ravnikar. I wanted to make sure I was Let's getting bring it right. Bring that microphone right in front of you, dear. Just like if you were singing. Okay, I'm with you. Carly Ravnikar, and right on, um, I'm you right on top. You are a local poet as well as a lo- local musician. Yes, I dabble. You dabble. Yes, I or some people would call it ADD. I have a hard time sitting still. I wouldn't know anything about ADD. <laughs> Not a You're thing. in a room full of ADDers. <laughs> I, I, think every radio, I think that that's a requirement when you walk into a radio station. That's what it should say. It said on air, ADD, ADD at work. at work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was ADD before there was ADD. Thanks for those smiley faces, guys, uh, for all the Facebook watchers out there. Hey, and if you are a Facebook watcher, go ahead and drop us a comment while you're on, or better yet, drop a comment to Carly. Say hi, Carly. Hey. So uh, we are always streaming live via, well, not always, because sometimes we have technical difficulties, but the man over here right now seems to be getting that all worked out. But typically we are streaming live on our YouTube channel at GetRealWithRalph.com. And this week we're actually streaming the whole episode for the first time on my Facebook page as well. And uh, if you are on any of our mediums, please go join all the others so you can show your support for us and help us grow this show because I think we are doing some good work for the uh, local area. So, Carly, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's talk about your Poets Laureate um, accomplishments first, and then we're going to walk backwards into your musical, mm. uh, your, your, your band that you're with. Sound good? Perfect, perfect. Yep, so I am just wrapping up a two-year... Uh, service as one of the Kenosha Poet Laureates. So Kenosha Racine Poet Laureate Program is uh, active in southeastern Wisconsin. We've got two active uh, Poet Laureates in Kenosha, one in Racine. So we've got Esteban Colon in Kenosha. Kenyatta Turner is the current active uh, Racine Poet Laureate. Oh, tell, but, us what, tell us what that is for, for the casual listener. What, what is a Poet Laureate? So it's a person who's really kind of charged as being an ambassador of poetry. Um, so if you have, if there's poetry going on and anybody's looking for a poet, it's a pretty easy place to, uh, to, to find active poets. And then the program itself works to encourage poetry in the community. Um, and and involve the community within the poetry. Okay, so you started writing poetry, and then you got selected for this laureate program. Is that how that works? Yeah, so you okay. apply. So we're currently uh, seeking applicants for the next two-year cycle uh, for 2020 and 21. So if you go to krpoets.com, you'll be able to access those applications. They are due October 15th. 
So we are um, actively trying to get people to get those applications in and find our next Poet Laureate. So what was the piece that you wrote that got you most passionate? Or what, what, what piece would you say brought the most passion? How, what made you decide, I, I love this and I want to write more poetry? Because I know normally, mm. normally people have an aha moment when it comes to something like, like poetry or music. Man, I was always a weird kid. I got in trouble <laughs> for writing poetry when I was in eighth grade because I was like writing like real dark, weird stuff. And it was like, oh, we got to have your parents come in and just make sure everything's <laughs> kosher here. And what'd your parents have to say? They, you know, so we don't Mrs. know. Mrs. Ravnikar, what to, we, don't know. we need to have your daughter evaluated. <laughs> we don't She's know what She's been writing some that. very disturbing stuff here. <laughs> but um, my parents were pretty supportive. Uh, so I, I just kind of always was writing at a young age. I remember even being a, a little kid and, and wanting to be like the female Eminem. So just always wanting to write, always performing, doing music, poetry, grew up playing cello. Um, so just very active in the creative arts from a young age. So do you have a radio friendly piece that you can, uh, that, that you can give Ooh, as yeah. a gift to our audience? I sure do. All right. I got a brand new one too. A brand new one. Ooh, awesome. I don't have guys. one of those. I don't have one of those bongos that you bang on at a poetry read. So do we do we, do we snap it again? You can always snap. That's how that works. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm warming up. I'm just warming Jim's up. getting a little snap happy over there. You've really got to limber up the fingers before you start snapping. You don't want to pull a, a, a snap muscle. You know, I, I I do my snapping though and clapping at the same time. You know, like curly. Hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. I thought this would go well with uh, the theme of the evening okay. being uh, coming to a, after vagina monologues. The, um, this is called The Womb is a Trap. All right. He tells me he was born a bear. I can see it in his shoulders. Got that look like he could chuck a girl pretty far. Chuck a girl out in the woods like a log jammer shooting trees out like splinters now. I used to be splinters, enjoyed drying up until fracture like an old porch floor under my tromping footbare children. I've punctured each with those deep mother wounds, practically unnoticed as the flesh settles, migrating my barbs like sucking teeth into a tab of state fair taffy. Dying from thirst will do that to you, dust in the back of your throat and a manger baby wrapped around your neck. He doesn't remember being a bear, but he remembers what it felt like to rub the bark off an oak with his back. I want to be an oak, I tell him, but I have never wanted anything that sturdy, so I'm lying. But he starts kissing me, and it doesn't matter anyway, since he's never seemed to care that I cannot remember being born. He calls me antelope because I keep running, but I know I am something much darker, with sharper teeth or a beak, maybe. But I don't stop kissing him because I know that in the end, we are all just entrails made into bindings. Our skin so rather useless, glutted, and worth no more than the price of our bones. I will never make the rains come. I try to stop him, but he has already shaved his hair off, never heard the story of Samson, just laughs when I tell him that I am nothing but a curse that no one should whisper. 
I will scream you then, he tells me, hoisting me up in his big bare arms. I will scream your curses when the thunder crashes as your brow splits open into the angry cresting waves of Lake Michigan, screaming as they smash to shore. I will scream your curses between your long antelope legs as they wrap around my shoulders, as your horns tangle and get caught in the bed rails, screaming until you and your curses and your waves are churned into floating foam, until your wood is soaked through and patterned in moss, until every part of you surrenders to being born. Wow. That was... Deeper than I was expecting. That was uh, that's deep, girl. That was Man. that was uh, kind of scary deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I would, you know, if it was like a first date, I'd be like, Rock. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 oh, I, th- I do think a lot of my work could serve as a warning, and my music too. So sometimes I'll date people, and like, you just you you must not be familiar with my work. So tell us about Sheep Sleeves. Cheap is um, just good, gritty, rock and roll punk. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a, just a, an all-star. I've got an all-star group behind me. We've got Scott Hoffman from Scratch 45, Matt McCoy from UK Subs, and Billy Club, Tony Ash from Conan Neutron. Mm-hmm. And that's just a few bands to mention that they've been in. It's just a real... Yeah, they're, they're amazing. You know, uh, we talked off, off Mike uh, that I've known Matt a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just met Tony not too long because he's with Stephanie now. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephanie Doroma, which I think is such a great couple. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're, 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 they're like Kenosha's rock and roll couple. Yes. You know, yes. without a doubt, you know. I mean, of, of just... In your face, rock and roll, you know, yeah. of, of the punk, and we got some. I was gonna, and Kenosha's had a love affair with uh, punk since oh my since God. the eighties. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like this was one of the. Mm-hmm. I I know that the punk scene here did launched people who ended up influencing people who who yeah. who, who made yeah. national yeah. You know, did national things with the scene mm-hmm. for sure. The, all of southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, you think about um, ten ninety six. You think mm-hmm. about um, what was a size old band that was a little on the punky side. There was a there was a bunch of them. there was a lot of it. A lot of it that yeah. was back in the day. You know, and that was that Johnny was, Bravo and all that type of oh stuff. Oh my goodness! And, you yeah. know, a lot of these bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, U.S. Distress. Mm-hmm. You know, which uh, you know, Scratch Forty Five. Yeah. You know, my, or Murph. Yep. Who, who I went to elementary school with, by the way. <laughs> me, me and Murph go way back. Okay. okay. Um, so uh, yeah, I've I've, been, I've watched these bands for years, and and um, and I've, I've caught Cheap Sleeves a couple times. So that's why when you said I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, she's in Cheap Sleeves. That's right. <laughs> Heck so, yeah. So we've got a little Cheap Sleeves that's yeah. air friendly, right? Yeah, we're, it should we're, be. Air this song is air friendly. If not, we just I just you know we're gonna cue a little I'm up here if, it, if it's air. Yeah, just want to make I got sure, it right but, here. Yeah. All right, we've got it. So uh, what, what's this one called? Um, it's Freeze Queen and Troll Trap. They kind of it rolls into each other, okay. um, but two separate songs: Freeze Queen and Troll Trap. All right, All right. we're gonna roll a little Cheap Sleeves with Cheap Sleeves in the office. <laughs>
Outstanding. Wow. Cheap Sleaze. That was a medley of the two songs, Freeze Queen and Troll Trap, on Kenosha's home for punk rock. No, I'm kidding. Kenosha's talk radio and today home for punk rock, AM 1050 WLIP. You're listening to Get Real with Ralph. And in the studio, we have Cheap Sleaze's singer, Carly Rat. Ravnikar. Ravnikar. I don't know why I'm having a, like Ravnikar. A Ravnikar. I'm having a tongue twist with that one. Normally, I'm really, really good with names, but uh, it's too many Rav, consonants. Ravio. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds good. And uh, not real hard to say. I mean, my last name's Selovich, so it's like you know. But you understand then. There's a no, lot absolute, of consonants. Ab- the absolutely. More yeah, consonants. Yeah. The well, you know, in Kenosha, everybody's used to things ending in vowels. You know, so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you got a four-letter name like Nudie. I had a four-letter. You know. Even my name's a four-letter word. How'd you nudie. like to be me? Yeah. Nudie, huh. nudie. <laughs> nudie, nudie. So that is some good stuff. And you have, that, you. is this vinyl right here? Yep, that's our seven-inch split with Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. Where can people get it? So you can buy that uh, from Bandcamp. Um, you can get the downloads are available also on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, um, anywhere you can, can download music, you can get, well, you get that. Guys, download it, but then... Right on vinyl because yeah. punk rock is meant to be listened to on vinyl. Absolutely, yeah. it Absolutely. just is. We, you know, we were talking before we went to the break about some of the great uh, punk bands. Uh, we talked about U.S. Distress and uh, some of those that came out of Kenosha. You, you guys are really good. I mean, I really like that sound, and mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear you live. When, when are you playing live next? We've got a show in November twenty uh, second at the Port with Indonesian Junks. That's oh, I know Indonesian Junk. They're out of Milwaukee. Right? You're going yeah. to drag yeah, me back uh, into the Port where Ma- I haven't Mike, been since uh, my twenties. Mike Matner's in that. Band. Yeah. yeah, I know Mike real well. Yeah, yeah. They just played a great show in Racine this last. Oh, was that at Club Elevens or yep. Evelyn's? Yep. Yeah, I missed yep. that one. Darn it. Yeah. When, when, when's the date? When's that one coming? November twenty second at the Port. Oh darn it! So who I are got, some? Who, are, who are some of your influences that you listen to uh, in in that in that whole genre of music? Who who do you like to hear? Um, I listen to everything. Um, I think uh, Motorhead. Is nice. just a, a huge influence um, that I'll I'll keep going back to ACDC, um, but then I you know it's like I I, I have hear studied so lyric writing for mm-hmm. so long so it's you know Bob Dylan and Laura mm-hmm. Marling yeah just a whole bunch of different I imagine as a poet artists. too I mean you know it, it just really falls right back into it as well I mean mm-hmm. lyrics are poetry basically mm-hmm. right I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, just set to music. Yeah. They present their own challenges. Mm -hmm. So you've got poetry over power chords. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Well, we are just about out of time here. Pretty soon, yeah, you know, I can't we got we, know, we got another two, two and a half minutes left here. We do have two and a half minutes. But we're definitely going to have you back. Poetry though. and music would be um, uh, it's a little out there, but December fifth at Fusion, we're going to be doing uh, Tom Waits. There's a Tom Waits thing. Party. Abs- that's yep. when it so is. For okay, his yeah. 70th party. So John so. Blohner got a hold of me on yeah. that one. I know John too. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be performing at that. You'll have your Kenosha Poet Laureate, uh, mm-hmm. both of uh, the Poet Laureates. Racine Poet Laureate, mm-hmm. um, whole bunch of, of acts will be And if you love Tom up. Waits like I do, yeah. what's going on in there? It's going to be weird. We're going to get weird with that. Oh, God, I love that. <laughs> Tom Waits is the best. Great mm-hmm. actor, too. My God. Mm-hmm. You plan on putting more uh, more singles out on your uh, band camp sometime yeah, soon? Yeah, we've got two. Um, we've got two ready to, the, to get mastered and send out. We might even put them up before getting them uh, mastered just so that, that people can enjoy them 
Um, and then we're going to be hitting the studio this winter. Great, more, so. great. So one more time, tell us where what your Bandcamp site is or any other web addresses that uh, so, people can get to your music so that we can get the word out there. I think it's easiest to go to Facebook um, slash Cheap Sleaze, but if you go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, you're going to be able to find the our split with Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Um, check out Cheap Sleaze on Spotify, Apple Music, but... Give us a like on Facebook for all there the fun you go. updates. Make sure you go like their page. I will make sure that we link theirs to ours, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Carly Ravnikar of Cheap Sleeves. This has been another episode of Get Real with Ralph. I'm Ralph Nudie. Good night. Here's the great Ginger Baker to take us to top of the hour. Play it, Ginger.